This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway right now to support this podcast. Get access to BSBOT's Greg's New Met podcast, which I think we talk about twice on this show, uh, and some other other nonsense as well. Fun times. Fun times. We have Emma Viglin of the Majority Report on today's show. Always a great guest. Talk about uh, Jacob Truba's slander and some other topics as well. And Greg and I get into the Corey Pronman Top 100 uh, Under 23 Players list and defend to Keandre Miller quite a bit. So without further ado, here's Mark Messier. Let's get to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome to another Get the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, on a weird August 29th, where hockey still isn't here, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Dog days of summer, like to the 2,000th degree. So dog days that you started a Mets podcast legitimately on our Patreon. <laughs> I sure did. I, uh, I legitimately, I know what you're thinking. I'm sure Greg has a plan with what this Mets podcast is going to do. Not even a fucking clue. I know when I'm going to record... I know that I will occasionally have some guests and I know that I will, it is a better home for most of my Met thoughts. We're both lying to ourselves or kidding ourselves. If we think I'm not going to make Met comparisons, analogies, or spew Met nonsense on this year's show. But I was thinking, so I had to drive into the city on what the fuck day was that last week? Wednesday? Yep. That's the day. To Georgia. Um, and I was just listening to some podcasts, a lot of Bill Simmons, and it just dawned on me that like Simmons occasionally will do the 20 minute preamble by himself. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, this is kind of entertaining. Is this what I should probably be doing about the Mets? This is probably what I should be doing about the Mets. I'm going to just start doing this about the Mets. And that's exactly what today was. It's pretty much what we do anyway. I tee you up and you're like, exactly. anyway, here I go. <laughs> so yeah. it's, really, it's not that much different. I'm just not there. So uh, I think, you yeah, are... it's, I will say it's, it's a little different because it's hard. Like it's not just, it's not just that it's hard. It's, I don't have someone saying something that triggers something in my mind to then allow me to go down a different road that I had no idea I was going to go down. Like fact, fact of the matter of this podcast here is, you and I barely come in here with a plan. We're two guys riffing, and we're really good at that, but we play off each other, and that's where the magic really does happen. On, on, on today, I wasn't playing off anybody. I was just like, here are my thoughts about the Mets. Oh, by the way, I hate the fucking Braves. The Dodgers are going to win 113 games. We don't talk about that, and this is just fucking nonsense. Like, that's all it is <laughs> 18 minutes. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'm glad you're doing that. Um Obviously, the Ra- the big, big Ranger news. Uh, it was National Dog Day, and the Rangers posted all their dogs. And then Vinny Trocek did an interview where he said, I believe, a total of five words, which is like, hey, Vinny, what's the first thing you ate when you got to New York? And he said, pizza. Riveting stuff from Trocek. <laughs> Just fucking uh, did, crushing it. Did you know that Vincent Trocek was American? Yeah, I did, yes. I didn't. I just, I hear the name Vincent Trocek. I'm like, what is he, Czech? Like it's in his name. Trocheck. <laughs> Terrible. Awful. I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize he's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania until I I like you saw the 
seven word interview that he did. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to Wikipedia Vincent Trocek here for a second. Uh, he also, have we not talked about the fact that he shares a birthday with Ryan Strom and is now number 16? Oh, no, we have. And they also weigh, I believe they weigh the same amount or they're, they're close to weighing the same amount, even though Ryan Strom is, uh, a little bit taller than him. I'm going to type Ryan from weight in. I don't think Panarin's going to notice. Is essentially what I'm getting at here. They share the same. Like it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Ryan Strom, according to Google, weighs 188 pounds. Uh, Trocheck weight. This is really great podcasting here. I mean, this is mm. dog days of summer. Oh wow, they didn't even. They don't even have the weight right. Oh, 182. So on a, on a good pizza wow. day for Trocheck, I mean, two inches smaller, six pounds less, same number, same birthday, same age. Well, two in, two inches vertically, Ryan. Right, right. I don't want to. We're not. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to shame, or judge. That's for sure. Not on this podcast. Absolutely. Put put, put him on his back. I bet she's taller. Speaking of judging and shaming, we're gonna do that right now. <laughs> Even though I said I said we weren't, and we're gonna talk about the Corey Promman uh, athletic list, which is, admittedly, one of my favorite articles of the year. Uh, NHL wise, he goes over the top 100 prospects of under 23. And younger. Well, well, hold on. I, I let, before we get into the list, I do want to hyper analyze something about Prodman because it, it does rub me the wrong way. These aren't prospects, right? Like they're players. Not, in the league. Most of the guys on this list have graduated, and we consider them young NHLers. There's a difference between being a young NHLer and a prospect. I don't include Julio Rodriguez on Major League Baseball prospect lists. Just because he's still under the age of 22. That's correct. That's correct. And yet, this is more interesting in general. It's just like the teams that have young talent, right? And yeah, I just I just really wish we could... I want Pradman to find... I, I just... I, I'm OCD about this kind of stuff. I need my prospect rankings, which is great. And then if you want to do like a top 25 under 25 or something like that, that's a it's a different can of worms that Pronman's doing like I wouldn't say the New York Rangers have he ranked them 12th right in the NHL for having players under the age of 23 I believe it was ninth I will double check but I believe it was ninth. you might be right it's somewhere in that range but I would say the Rangers the way I view farm systems now the Rangers are probably what 20th it's it's skewed heavily because they have four five six dudes who are young and still qualify. Now, it's not a bad thing. I don't want anyone to be there being like, is Greg complaining? Greg, Greg it actually might be like 25th if it's... Yeah, it might be be worse. Well, no, I mean, you still have guys like Othman and Lundquist still would qualify. All right, so let me give you the list real quick because we can settle some things right now. Uh, um, I'm going to just give an order. Here are the numbers he had for people. I'm not going to give over the entire list, obviously, in this podcast, but just for the Rangers. Lafreniere was 10 as an all-star potential. That was it for all-stars. Then yep. on the bubble top line, middle lineup, is Miller at 45 and Kako at 48. Fine. Then, like, the mid, mid-tier mid section, which is Schneider, Niels, Othman, and Jones. And that's all the way to 100. So, if you're just counting straight prospects, are you still counting Niels and Jones' prospects? Yes, right? Yes. I, I To me, you need a full 82 games before I consider you not a prospect. So, Schneider would, is still a prospect. I would even, Schneider, Schneider would qualify in my eyes. Okay, yeah. that's fair. That's totally fair. Because if you take away those guys who's, who have major league time and they've played in the NHL, well, then it's just Othman. It's like that's the that's really well, it. Oth- you got Othman, you got Cooley, you got the trio of young defensemen that you just mentioned. Like that's a top 20 farm system. But 
I just, again, I can't say that Alexei Lafreniere and Braden Schneider belong on the same kind of young player prospect list. That That's not a prospect list anymore. This is going to be Lafreniere's third full season. He's not a prospect. No. I, I and uh, but, okay. Anyway, that's that's my gripe on just the naming of the list. I do have gripes about the list itself, and that gripe is one giant Keandre Miller. And it does feel like Bronman. I don't want to say he is incorrectly grading Keandre Miller, but boy, is he really not seeing what the ceiling could possibly be. We just see different things, me and Bronman. We we watch different games. And I say that because, and again, I agree with you where it's he's not seeing the same ceiling that we see. And I, and I like his skating puck skills, hockey sense, compete and shot where he like, I guess he kind of, he tries to do like, he tries to do what we do in this podcast and kind of make a baseball system, right? <laughs> like, Hey, he's a plus fastball, you know, plus fielding, whatever. This is kind of what he does here where it's, but he, he puts Keandre Miller as a NHL average skater. Yeah. It's just not, it's just incorrect. It's just incorrect. And what's, I don't, I'm actually going to give him more shit because he rates Keandre uh, personally. He gives Keandre an above NHL average shot. And I've just watched a lot of Keandre Miller, and I think his shot is average, and his skating is elite. <laughs> well, I, th- I think his shot might be above average. He just doesn't want to use it. And I think that's important when you're taking into consideration the evaluation of the player. It's almost – here we go, Ryan. Ready? This is this is a Met comparison, so it's not like they're going anywhere on, on this podcast. Jacob DeGrom has a 75-grade curveball. He just doesn't throw it. So it, it's hard for me to say, like, his curveball's elite when he chooses not to use it. For everybody Keandre listening Miller, that doesn't know baseball, 75, the highest you can go is 80. Fantastic. Still unemployed. You and, can keep that right there. All right. Still unemployed. You're back. So let's talk about uh, – get back to the list real quick. Um, right. Well, no, staying staying on Keandre because I think that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. It It's hard for me to be like I'm upset that he's considered one, the, in the top 50 – of young NHL players and prospects under the age of 23. Like that's a weird gripe to have. Right. And, but it's just like to say that he's maybe a top pairing defenseman, but probably a middle pairing defenseman. It just, it just really ignores his ceiling where I legitimately think Keandre Miller on a team with Adam Fox is the second best defenseman the New York Rangers have. And I don't think it's all that close. I really don't think so either. And you look at some of the names that are in front of Keandre Miller, and I know they have high potential, but boy, the, do they have a lot to prove. Like, a lot. Uh, right. Like, like Bronman's rating as probably a middle-pairing defenseman, that's the absolute floor. That's if somehow Keandre Miller stops evolving his game. That's if, if, if this is just finished product Keandre, right? If Keandre doesn't take a single step forward in the rest of his NHL career, if he doesn't change anything about his game, we are confident that he is a capable second-pair defenseman. That is the bare minimum we expect from Keandre Miller. So it's just, it to me, it's very odd to not see that he is just capable of so much more. Let me ask you a straight-up question. Would you trade Keandre Miller right now for Joel Farabee if you could? Uh, no. I mean, I know I could. I wouldn't do it. Right, just like in, in a vacuum. Player-wise, it's like no, they're both tw- you know Miller, both twenty-two. Yeah, but Mil- Miller is of a, a more of a certainty. Right, right? that's what I'm this saying. Is, this is I'm just naming people that are ahead of him, like who I probably totally. wouldn't trade straight up for. Like 
Jamie Drysdale's a maybe. You know, that's a that's a serious defender. Could be a top top guy. But so, Keandre's already there. He's already proven himself. Noah Dobson. That's that's a close one as well. But but there are like there are some names where you're like I, bet, I, I don't really you know, know what that's an inter- I bet you Islander fans wouldn't trade Dobson for Miller, and I bet you Ranger fans wouldn't trade Miller for Dobson. I agree. So I do think I think that one is interesting. But yeah, I this ranking to me just feels like it, it almost feels like there's nowhere to go but up. But the way Pronman words it is not that exactly. To him, he feels to him he's like there are still so many question marks. About Keandre Miller, and I'm just sitting here like, what? What, what the, question marks? The question that? marks are if he develops offense, which he's never going to get a chance to because he's never going to run a power play. He should be running power play too. Maybe he will this year, but he's not running it right now. And outside of that, I, I he's a shutdown defender. He just like I don't know what else to say. Have you seen Keandre Miller go the length of the ice in five skating? Like that's it. it it's I don't understand where his NHL average skating is. It's very very strange. The guy is fast. His stick is great, great handling, and his compete is average. I'm not so sure about that. I'm really not. I, I don't. Compete is such a generic. You can't argue it, right? Because it's one person's opinion. I need to stop saying right after every fucking point I make. Isn't that funny when uh, you podcast, you like hear yourself, and then all of a sudden you have those ticks, and you call yourself out, and then everyone else makes fun of you as well? It's, it's a good time. Fantastic. Yeah, I love awesome. this shit. It's awesome. wonderful. Right? Um, right? Right? Anyway. <laughs> Keandre... It's it's weird. I can't argue with Pronman's comp- compete level because what the fuck does it mean? It could mean everything. It could mean nothing. So there's no point in trying to argue that. DeAndre Miller's... I, it's weird. I wouldn't say he's a fast skater. I would say he covers ground quickly. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like, he's so big. The strides are he, gigantic. Right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just right. agreeing with you. We were just you. agreeing, I was, yes. I was just agreeing. Right, correct. Left. I'm going to start saying correct. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, Keandre. Confirmed. He doesn't, he doesn't run 25 miles an hour, but he can cover 25 miles in seven strides. I don't know how else to phrase that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Keandre Miller fast. He's just ginormous. He's big. He moves well for a big man. It's like... Um, what, what's an NBA comparison to this where Joel Embiid isn't fast, but he can get He's up so gigantic. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis is not fast, but it takes him three steps to go from the three point line, the, the half court line to the hoop, right? Shit. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, then, like, this podcast, Gian- man, just keep Giannis, giving. Giannis, Giannis and Keandre to me are the similar kind of big man moves. Well, where you wouldn't call it speed, but he covers so much ground that you have to find another word to describe it. Agreed. Let's go to Alexi Lafreniere, who's ranked 10. No real problems with people that are ranked in front of him. You can make the argument for Tim Stutzel. I don't. I, I think Lafreniere is a better player than Stutzel. Not really. Here or there. I... Couldn't, you, couldn't you also make an argument that Keandre... You wouldn't necessarily, based on ceiling, put Keandre ahead of Lafreniere. At the same time, Lafreniere still has things to prove. Where again, Keandre's done it. I've seen it. I'm good. He's I'm done happy. it for he's done it for three years now since he was 19 years old. Second pairing, he's just been legit. Well, two, which is shocking. You, it's it feels wow. like three years, Jesus. but it's only been two. Insane. Uh, Stutzel's ahead of him, and and then uh, there are the, there's some other ones you don't want to argue. Like 
Uh, I wouldn't argue that Lucas Raymond shouldn't be ahead of Lafreniere. Lucas Raymond had a f- fantastic uh, first year. I don't understand Promen's obsession with Darlene. I don't get it. Like, I know he's good. I know he's the first overall pick, and I know that draft pedigree was there. But I just, I've never, even whenever we played against Darlene, I've never been scared of him. I, how I much, how much is, I, a lot of it has to be, up until last year, the Sabres have just been a mess. They're disaster. It just has to be. Do not, not a surprise to anybody. Jack Hughes is number one. Uh, Sider's number two. No shock there. Zagers three here. And La- Lafreniere goes down to 10. No problem with this. Promen seems to have some pretty high hopes for Lafreniere still. With these, uh, the small exception that maybe Lafreniere can't carry a team like he used to. But then again, Lafreniere's never been, he's never had to. He's never had to give him the chance for the New York Rangers to carry the team. He did a great job in the playoffs. He really let him hang there, I'll tell you that. But for the most part, uh, I think this is the Lafreniere, this is the Lafreniere-Kako breakout year. We've talked about it at nauseum on this show. But this is the this is the year they're going to get real shots, right? There's not that's this is it. If they'll well, they'll either drop down this did, list you substantially. Did it. You did it too, motherfucker. Did it's not right? just me. Did I say right? You sure did. Shit, it's infectious. Yeah. Oh my god, we're, we're we're fucked. Yeah, it's true. Just call this just call this the right episode, right? People are going to think we were just talking about David Wright the entire time. Yeah, and we we shockingly weren't. Right. We're just two dudes. <laughs> I just did it again. <laughs> we're just two no. dudes. Oh. That's terrible. Now it, we've broken the glass ceiling. Oh. It's it's awful. It's the only word I can think of. Lafreniere is at ten. Kako uh, is at forty eight. Kako, I believe, last year on this list was still in the top twelve or something like that, and now has plummeted greatly. Which I think is sort of strange because. But well, it, I don't think it's strange. I I, I I don't. I think our expectations for Kako have shifted. Can he become the sixty point two wave player we thought the Rangers were drafting? Absolutely. But it's almost it's almost like putting Kako that close to Miller is why I think the Miller ranking is so wrong. Whereas Kako has a lot to prove. This is a massive year for Kapo Kako. I don't think this year will define his NHL career, but it has a this year has a chance to change the narrative surrounding him as a player significantly. It, it, it's not a guarantee. There are a lot of question marks with Kako. He's got to step up and do it. He's also got to stay healthy. Those are two huge things that he has to do. Whereas Miller, a guy just three spots in front of him, again, we're just, I'm certain he's one of the what? Just defensemen? Probably top 50 defensemen in the NHL. Oh, certain. That's a, I'm, I would lock that up right now. I would go, as, I'd go further than that. I think 40. Probably top 40? Yeah, I'll say 40. So it's it's just odd to me that a top 40 defenseman right now, who's also only 22 years old, just couldn't move up higher than that on that list. And again, lists are subjective. They don't really mean anything. It's dog days of summer. We need to react to something. This has us upset, upset so we're reacting to it. But it's just odd. Even Lafreniere has question marks. Motherfucker needs to learn how to play on the right side. Just does. Needs to do it. Because if he doesn't do it, Ryan, he's seeing 12 minutes a night again. And if he's only seeing 12 minutes a night... It's going to be hard for him to score more than the 19 goals he scored last year. Truly. He should be on that power play, and he will not be. And that will be a very, very fun first episode when that happens. Uh, I, re- I, I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm just reserved to the fact that it's Trocek. It ha- Surprise it, me if it's not. I, I think there's absolutely no way it's not Trocek. Well, I can also – I can already already – I can already Already, see, already, yeah! Already, this podcast already. is cooking. <laughs> I can already see the argument 
from Gallant too, which is, well, we brought him in to win the important face-offs. And can you think of a more important face-off than getting control of the puck on the power play? And to a point, that's not a bad you argument. You, you agree. You get it. It makes sense. You're not upset about it. At the same time, fuck. Like, the first face-off <laughs> ain't eat. that important. Let him eat. Then we go to the middle lineup players, and these are the four that are listed here. And I think these are all fair. Schneider at 79, Niels at, at 91, Offman at 98, and 100. Rounding out the list is Jones. I'm, One, I'm surprised Lundqvist is ahead of Offman and Jones. I guess, or at least Offman at this point. I'm surprised how low kind of Offman is. I, I know that his scoring probably doesn't translate, but... I guess his scouting profile, he's all he's done often is done is rip it up constantly. He, he even goes as far as to say his shot is high end. I saw nobody else having that shot, but his skating's below NHL average. So is Capococco. So is Alexi Lafreniere. There's a lot of things to like about Brendan Offman, but the shot is elite. And that's, that's just all you can ask. That being said with Niels, uh, I, I think the stock has dropped a lot. It's, but it, this is also strange. He calls Neil's puck skills below NHL average. The dude ran a power play super effectively over in Europe and was given second power play duties immediately when he got here. And all of a sudden, it's like below NHL average puck skills. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. Like, that's what I thought. That's what made Neil's Lundqvist special. And maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a prospect nerd like Promin is here. But it's very, very strange to have him have him at 91 above of Jones, who's going to play this year, and Neil's probably isn't. It's Lundquist is a strange, a strange duck. I, I, I really think that's the best way to categorize him because you don't one helium year like he had the year before this one doesn't define a prospect. Neither does one first year in North America learning the ice, learning the game, playing against true NHL caliber adults should define a guy. So it's it's strange for me that. He should be on this top 100, but at the same time, if we're talking just helium, which really raises the ceiling, and to me, I think most rankings are ceiling-based, not floor-based. It's just very strange to have Othman, who has nowhere to go but up, it seems like, than Lundqvist, who you at least worry about him maintaining everything he did in Europe, being able to do it here in North America. In one year, Ryan, Othman might have similar concerns because he's either bullying around children that he shouldn't be playing with or the Rangers gave him run and he couldn't hang. And you start to fear similar things that you fear with Lundqvist. But I don't know. I, I Do you think if the Rangers tried to, tried to trade Lundqvist right now, they would get a first-round pick for him? No. No, they will not. I think they can almost take it as a second, and that's a disaster. Just straight up. There's, there's no way. Have you all? Everybody we know just oozes. That's the best way to put it about the 2023 draft. No chance somebody trades that for Niels Lundqvist. Nobody. Not one yeah. person. What, ca- what caliber NHL player do you think you can get if Lundqvist is the centerpiece of the trade? Like a third line winger. You think you get Andrew Kopp straight up for Niels Lundqvist? Yes, I do. Not on, do you, the old Andrew Kopp. Oh, we were talking like expiring contract, right? If say say it's yeah, say I'm I'm talking trade deadlines up. You need to add a guy. 
you can get Andrew Kopp for Niels Lundqvist. Yes. Yeah, you could do that. Um, can you get – trying to think of – all right, imagine let's, – let's play the Wayback Machine. Could you get Vincent Trocek straight up for Niels Lundqvist, an expiring Vincent Trocek, it's, that caliber of player? It's close, but since it's a center – and I know Kopp is technically a center, but he was a winger as well and played wing in the playoffs for the New York Rangers. Uh, I think it's cool. I, I think you can get it done, but it's a lot of haggling and it goes down to the last minute. So in other words, you don't know if you can get a bona fide top six guy, but you can get a bona fide middle six guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question asked. Okay. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. Which is, again, a weird spot to be in considering he might be the guy on opening night to play bottom pairing minutes with Braden Schneider. It's going to all depend on camp and who can between him and Jones, who really wins out and whoever, if there's ever an injury, one of them comes up, it's going to have a big time to play. Lieber Hayek should ever see the ice maybe once or twice this year. But other than that, uh, I just don't see it. Do you want to do a, a quick five star question or two before we get to our, uh, our dear friend, Emma, or are we good sure. on, we good Why on this list? Not? Why not? Yeah, I think we're good. I, to me, I don't get upset about these lists. They are what they are. I think every list, even from someone you like, is flawed. And to me, I just use lists as one of, not the only one. But knee-jerk reaction to Keandre rating, just straight wrong in my eyes. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, just, just three quick ones here. Uh, this is from Blue Gooner. If you want to leave a five-star question, by the way, you can leave them on the Discord. Uh, five-star questions. You can join that up through a Patreon. Surprise. Blue Gooner says, Greg, how do you feel about your man Stasny signing in Carolina? Does your change that does that change your guys' projections? We talked about this a lot on OT. But, but for the other for the good people who don't have that, go on. Right, right. However, if you do. Yes, they know. They if know. you don't, sorry, <laughs> if you don't, go uh, go get it. Go yeah. get it. I got I got bills to pay, guys. I need you. I need some help. <laughs> that's that's um, how you do it. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, currently, Ryan, that is uh, that, and you make me record things, so I'm taking more cut from the pot. But right. that, neither here nor there. Yeah, we we the the way we framed it is first and foremost, Trocheck is better than Stasny. No one's out here saying anything different. Second, the reason why Stasny was so tantalizing to me was that. It was going to give Filipino a real chance to explore the space and you have a good safety net. Whereas Trocek, the benefit to having Trocek is Hedl, while getting less minutes, if he does blossom the way we think he will, boy, the Rangers' top three centers are really, really dynamic. And they all do different things from one another, which is fantastic. So Stasny... The, re- the pros for was cheap, reliable, good two-way center, and allowed Heedle to play a more important role. The pros for Trocek is straight-up better player, straight-up better two-way guy, better in the face-off circle. And while it's not giving Heedle those extra two to three minutes a night, if Heedle explodes on the third line, holy shit, this is the deepest Rangers centers have been since we started podcasting probably. Uh, maybe in the last two decades. Yeah. Decades. Uh, this is from J-Play. Segment idea for the Dog Days of Summer. You each get to ask a player on the Rangers one question. Anything you want, what are you asking each active player, including Kravtsov? This might be a BSBOT. It Don't... might be. I mean, it is. You're going to come up with a better idea? Nope, I'm not. To Stay tuned for BSBOT for that question. 
Um, and this is uh, the last one we have from TSE 1231, who, by the way, is a Bournemouth season ticket holder. Not a question, more of a statement. After watching Bournemouth today, my body is ready for the New York pain train. It cannot hurt me now. I'm so sorry. It wasn't I good... just want to I just want to say act like you've been there before. Southampton, we've I've been through this twice in the last 3 years. Man, I saw the names. Southampton lost... memes were pretty funny, man. They were good. I lost 9 nothing to Leicester. So <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's that's worse. That's worse. Yeah, I fucking think so, Ryan. Yeah, they might get relegated. We'll see. We also lost 9 nothing to Man United. We didn't lose to Liverpool 9 nothing. We play Liverpool well. <laughs> we lose to Man United and Leicester. Come on. Come on. Uh, that's it. All right. Let's go transition to our dear friend, Emma, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll recap some more Rangers stuff. Here we go. Transition. Folks, the wait is almost over. By the time you are listening to this, we're going to be less than one week away from the return of NFL action. And to get ready for NFL Week 1, you got to get ready with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5, $5 on any football game, and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. And if you want more action for opening night, not a problem. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings with their early win promotion. Get up seven. Any game you're betting, all you need to do is be up seven points and you win. That's it. Doesn't matter what the final score is. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, doesn't matter if it's the first score, doesn't matter if it's the last score, doesn't matter if it's at halftime, any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. So here's what you got to do. All you got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any NFL game this weekend. That's code BLUESHIRTS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older and physically present in New York. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest for today. We have Emma Viglin of the Majority Report. She is an, a recurring guest. and Welcome back, Emma. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. It seems like I am in the August time slot i feel like that's when i come on and it's it's appropriate right you're you know, an innings eater you're you're a professional not... you're yeah in, you're able to come on and talk the shit at a high level when nothing has happened i mean look i'm here for the big picture guys i'm not on the beat but um i'm here to give you uh hot takes about the team all right let's get let's get a hot take right away how much did you cry when they lost you know honestly i was almost like relieved that it was over and i know that that sounds uh silly but i i I don't know about you guys and i listen all the time so i don't really remember this being your thought process until maybe the the they were so exhausted at the end of that series with the lightning but i just always felt like they were after they beat the hurricanes they were just lucky to be there 
um, or even so after they beat time. the Penguins. I mean, it was absurd. And I thought that the talent differential between the other three teams and the final four, like the Rangers were a significant drop off. And that doesn't mean that they can't get to where uh, the Lightning were and the Avalanche were, et cetera. But I just think their their lack of experience showed. And it, it was I knew they would get shellac no matter who they face in the finals. Well, I'll say this, actually. I would have been surprised if the Oilers did a number on the Rangers. I, I do think – I know Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Bright Lights is very intimidating, but the underbelly of that team is super vulnerable. If it was Rangers, Oilers, I would have somehow been disappointed that my team who didn't or shouldn't have been in the Stanley Cup didn't win the Stanley Cup. But only yeah. the Oilers. If it was Fair Rangers, enough, it's the Oilers, right? right I mean, like right. they're gonna Oiler. <laughs> exactly. Well, and they did. That's why they didn't. Make and the they cup. did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that that's the only pushback I'll give you. The Lightning felt like a, if not a better team, a team that understood the moment, where the Rangers were still learning the ropes, and then the Avalanche were just as close to a juggernaut last year that you were gonna find. Fun fact: the Avalanche have never beaten you versus Sturkin. So there you go. Just that, that would have been my one thing going into that yeah. series. The, the one the, glimmer of hope. The, the Rangers would have had the Rangers would have been forced to call up Adam Huska to start one of the games. Adam Huska, <laughs> KHL great, I believe now. Uh, so I, I agree with you, Emma. We didn't really talk about it on the show, but behind the scenes, Greg and I were also exhausted. Like, I don't know how they were playing hockey games because just watching the game and podcasting after uh, was a marathon in its, in its own right. And then that, that's the thing. I can't hold it against them because that team is so young and they were just the way the NHL set up the schedule this year, which is just, you know, talk about the Oilers going to Oiler, the NHL is going to do what it fucking does. Like they, they, they made it so jam packed for the team that doesn't have that kind of experience. Like I just don't see them having the, I didn't see them having the ability to kind of pull it through. So I was just happy that we were in the you know, conference finals. I mean, me too, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I guess the question there, Emma, is do we consider 20 hard-fought NHL games now enough experience for this team in your eyes? <laughs> I don't know. Look, I think Trocek is a significant improvement over Ryan Strom. Um, I, I, that's not a hot take, right? I, 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 I guess, you know, there's are segments of the fan base, and maybe it's you, Ryan. Who it's I'm just me. <laughs> it's yeah. just me, Emma. <laughs> I, know. I, like, I don't know. I defend Ryan Strom way too much. I don't know. Maybe it's because we share a name or if I think he was just had some intangibles that I didn't, that other people didn't see. I get the miss the net bullshit is too much. I understand that. Um, but, the, but he's actually, you know, he's taller than Trocek. That's all I'm saying. He's taller. And you're also an access journalist. So uh, you're going to reward your guy for coming on the show. That's exactly it. The one Ranger who's ever come on other than Tony D'Angelo, who we don't talk about. We do anymore. not speak of that. Yeah. <laughs> He did watch um, the but, but no, look, I, I think Trocek, the term is frustrating for everybody, but it seems like Drury has kind of made this calculation that one, other NHL GMs are dumb. So at some point, hopefully they'll be able to offload some of those contracts. Um, and two, like, even if these contracts age poorly, I mean, I cannot see Kreider's and Benajad's contract aging well either. Um, that, that, hopefully going all in and pushing one's chips to to the center of the table like that'll pay off and so those contracts where you know, they, they look bad towards the end of their shelf life like hopefully it's it paid dividends earlier in in its te- in their tenure 
I was sorry. I, I'm I'm distracted because I was trying to see if Vincent Trocheck's middle name was Ryan to appease Ryan, and it might just it might just be that Vincent Trocheck doesn't have a middle name, which I could do 15 minutes on, but now's not the time. Uh, Emma, so the Rangers essentially we've we've asked just about every guest this that's come on in the last couple of weeks because I think it's an important point that we need to keep talking about. If you compare the Rangers today to the last iteration of Ranger we saw against the Lightning, or if you want to go back even further and just compare this Ranger opening day lineup to last year's Ranger opening day lineup, is this lineup we will see come October better, the same, or worse in your eyes? I think it's better. I think it's better. And I I think Trocek is a significant um, improvement there. But for the most part, like, they have kept the team largely intact and they've been able to maintain a level of consistency that I do think is going to benefit them um, next year. I still don't know necessarily if Gallant has figured out how to effectively uh, place the kids within like the veteran lines. And for me, I I understand that Chris Kreider feels more comfortable playing on the left. I, I would prefer if he moved over to the right, just based on his level of experience. And also like most of what he does, he can replicate it on each on either side. And I think that would solve some things in terms of being able to have Lafreniere play more significant minutes. Of course, now that Strom is gone, I'm hopeful that Lafreniere gets some more time on the power play because it just, it'll, it'll exponentially, it'll compound itself right if he starts to get confidence and rack up points on the power play and then i'm I'm hopeful that kako can slide in on the right in the second line and i know i know that means breaking up the kid line but i don't see Kraftstoff uh making it to the top two lines either but when you look at it like that if if gallant is i think you know smart and fits lafreniere and capo kako into the top two lines I, I feel really good about the rest of the depth there, especially with Blake coming back. So, um, plus, I, I still think the rest of the league is underestimating how fucking good Keandre Miller is. Yes, Emma. We just uh, did, that, like, that, we just did 20 minutes on this. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, you watch some of these pass breakups that he had and how he hustles and his length, like, his length and his ability to reach and break up plays. It really is. He's going to continue to... I'm worried about his next contract, honestly, but he's going to continue to take the league by storm. And um, I I really think that having him uh, in one of your top two defensive pairings, it's it's helpful. So the Rangers, I I do think they're going to improve next year. I'm not sure how that plays out in the playoffs. Like, you know, who, who the hell knows? But... I, I I can't see them regressing. But can can Keandre Miller skate? That's my question. Have you ever watched him? <laughs> like, once or twice. I'm sorry. Once or twice. Uh, we were just we just shit on Promen for like 20 minutes before this. Um, Wait, did he come out with his uh, rankings yet? Yeah, he did. Yeah, they're out. Um, was Keandre Miller like a thousand and five? No, he was 45. Um, but he does say he is uh, average NHL skating, which I think is hilarious. It's that, like, I agree. I mean, that was my that was my reaction. <laughs> there's no problem with his skating. That's like the one thing he's like elite at. I don't fucking get it. And uh, his strides are so fluid, like despite being really tall and, and lanky. But Ray, what was whatever. the thing you said about Keandre earlier in the show? He's not fast, he but 
he's not fast. He just moves space around him. I compared him, Emma, similar to how we talk about Giannis. Would you consider Giannis fast? No, but it takes him three steps to go from the half-court line to the rim. Oh, that yeah. has to be described as, if you don't want to call it fast, it's fine, but it has to be acknowledged as different and special. I think that's, yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. It's just the ability to ha- make quick strides and have those strides uh, take up space or gain space <laughs> within, in a really short period of time. It's not necessarily like you're twitchy quick, uh, but it's, but you you have the ability to, I don't know. There that's some version of fast. I can't think of the adjective. It's just special. I'll just call it that. Like, he's yeah. a special player. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. Who knew? Um, very strange. <laughs> All it takes is watching Conjury Miller for like twenty seconds to be like, hmm, that guy looks like he's good at his job. <laughs> like, oh wow, incredible. Yeah. Um, heading into the season, we have unlimited amounts of forward depth, but yet no. I would say there's some limited amount of defensive depth. You've uh, followed the team for quite a long time now. Niels and Jones are now sitting in the sitting in the wings to take that Nemeth spot after he was shipped off to Arizona. Do you prefer one or the other? Or do you have a do you lean a certain way with the prospect, or is it just like whoever wins the job in camp? You know, I I like Niels Lundqvist as a prospect, and I don't necessarily have an opinion on him making the team or not. But you know, I'm not a coach, but I do have an understanding, I think, of the kind of team that Gallant wants to play with and that Drury wants to build. And I just don't see Lundqvist being a part of that equation. Um, I, I think they're, they are going to be more inclined to value Zach Jones's skill set over, over Lundqvist. I, I'm, I don't know what, uh, where Lundqvist could be dealt because I really think that the, the Rangers don't have any wiggle room to adjust their roster as currently constructed for the most part. Um, they could make some moves along the margins, but uh, I, I just don't necessarily see Lundqvist being a part of the team's future. I don't know about you guys, but like I thought he'd be traded at the deadline. I thought he might be traded around the draft and none of that's happened. So, um, so, so what, maybe behind the scenes, who knows what Drury's thinking that they, they have a high opinion of him. It just does not seem to be trending in that direction. Emma, I am so happy you brought this point up because I think you've hit something that we I think we talk around it a bit, but we can address it clearly now. Gallant and Drury seem to value the overachiever versus the gifted talent. Mm. What I mean by what I mean by that is Sammy Blay is you're always going to get 100% out of Sammy Blay because Sammy Blay feels like he has to play at 100% in order for him to keep hands on a job in the NHL. Whereas Capocacco, maybe he at 65 to 70% is better than Blay, but Gallant's just going to see one of the guys at 100 and one of the guys at 70, and he's going to play the 100. Even if that 100% effort is just going to get you a C- minus on the test. I, I, I we've, We saw this last year where Dryden Hunt, kept getting every opportunity over yeah. some of the younger kids. Um, Ryan Reeves was always finding his way into the lineup over others. Barclay Goodrow was always moving up the lineup as opposed to different players. And I, I think you're absolutely right where this isn't a, it, it, it's great that Zach Jones is a 100% player because I think he's a fantastic prospect, 
but you're confident on a nightly basis that you're always going to get 100 from Jones. Whereas Lundquist, maybe you won't. And the difference being that a night where Lundquist doesn't have 100, still pretty damn good. Uh, also, uh, got to point out the difference too is a lot of these players are like Canadian or American or English speaking, and they sometimes get typecast as the grinders. Uh, and European players or Russian players get stereotyped as not necessarily the kinds of guys that you want on your team. And that also pairs, look, it's an old, Gallant does have some of that old school thinking. It really seems to to be the case. But um, maybe I'm saying the quiet part out loud there. I, I just do think it's easier sometimes in this league, which is uh, sometimes uh, more conservative, to to... to uh, Not really to... a surprise there, Emma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic. Understandable. They, they uh, I, I, I sometimes think that they typecast European players and, and, and label um, people like that. And even in my personal life, if I'm having a conversation with a hockey fan, somebody who I know has a more old school mindset, they're just more willing to, I think, you know, our Jemmy Panarin's work ethic. I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, sometimes I think that's a little bit of it, um, unfortunately. Our, our Terry Panarin is a stud. I don't. I, I know he had a terrible playoffs. Not terrible. He scored a game winner in Game Seven. Whatever. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, he's still taking shit from that, which is crazy because he's maybe the best, one of the best players that's ever played on the jersey for the Rangers ever. Period. End right. of story. Right. Uh, fun times. I agree with you. I I, uh, I think Jones is is the answer here. I actually think Niels is kind of the odd man out de facto. I, I think unless there's an injury, you won't see him, and I think it won't happen right away either. Maybe they'll give someone else like Tenorti a shot. Yeah, I know you want to throw up in your mouth when you, when I say that, but that could be the case. Might be Robertson too, by the way. A name we don't really I've brought up in this podcast once or twice in the past couple of weeks. Once or twice? <laughs> every single week for the past six weeks, I have mentioned Matthew Robertson. Yeah, uh, I, ca- I casually talk about Matthew Robertson. I don't think anybody. Hey, listen, about I'm just Robertson. a Matthew Robertson guy. And I like Ryan Strom too. I'm going to follow him on uh, on Anaheim. I'm going to watch all his highlights every single night. No, no, I'm not. Anyway, uh, those, those are all the options we have. Uh, Anaheim. Yeah, isn't he? he's on Anaheim, isn't he? I know, I know. I just mean, it, like, the insane. concept of watching the Anaheim Ducks play hockey, I mean, the only reason to, is the to only watch reason. is for Zagris, yeah. yeah. And But I'll just watch the highlights on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Uh, I can... I, I have a deficit of knowledge about West Coast hockey just because I just can't stay up. For no, I'm the same way. I have to go to bed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock. I got to go to sleep. I got a podcast and go to bed. That's how that works. I right. People are like, hey, you haven't watched the, the, the West Coast? It's like I watch when I wake up, I watch Cal McCarr highlights and that's it because that's what happened when I went to bed. Cal McCarr scored four goals and he's really good. And Connor yeah. McDavid probably did something stupid. And that's about as much as I miss in the Western Conference. This does go for every sport, though, except the NFL because games are at four o'clock on Sundays, but my favorite, my second favorite storyline, this entire baseball season behind the Mets is everything going on with the angels, but it's just that their tweets get even more ridiculous by every day. It's like Otani hit for the home run cycle. Angels lost 17 to eight. Like it's, <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the entire world. I wouldn't watch an angel. You couldn't pay me. I, I'll take that back. I'm very unemployed. You can pay me to watch an angel game. If someone wants to pay me money to watch the angels, I will. However, I very much enjoy not watching a single second of their baseball games and just getting to go on Twitter and seeing what ridiculous thing Trout and Otani did today in a losing effort. I think he had a home run every day for the past like six days and they lost. It's like, oh my God. I mean, it's got to be honestly some sort of catharsis for you, Greg, because uh, this is just like the reverse DeGrom. 
Well, no, the DeGrom still had – I don't know if you know this. Max Scherzer went seven shutout innings the other day. The Mets lost one nothing to the I Rams. know, I know. So it's still there. I'm still making money on under in the first five innings of Met games that DeGrom starts. But Can they, yes. uh, they've got to get it together a little bit. A little bit of shake, shaky few weeks for the Mets. What? I mean, <laughs> what? They, I, I don't know. Look, I was, I'm a casual Mets fan, but they just like completely – all right, they oh I guess they won way more against the Rockies than I thought. I just pulled. Yeah, this they out. lost. Never they mind. won three or four. <laughs> I, I'm, I, Emma, I got I have great news. Forget this it. Is per, this is a perfect plug. <laughs> if you want to know more about the Mets, we now have a Mets podcast. Greg does a Mets podcast on his own on his Patreon. So oh my god! On, no on way. The Patreon. So congratulations. It's almost like you knew that before you said anything. I, think <laughs> I should. Natural. I should listen because I want to be less of a casual. Um, but I'm just gonna blame that on my COVID brain fog that I thought that the Yankee series was like yesterday. Long so. COVID, it's hard, man. Yeah, listen, time <laughs> flies. I get it. I totally understand. Yeah, uh, right, exactly. Uh, do you have any other hot takes going into the season? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Jacob Truba and all the fans that slander him. Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> that was my one uh, pre preordained conversation piece or pre preplanned thing from me, just because I I saw the reaction to the players voting for their fellow player Jacob Truba to be the captain as if it was some, like, outrage, as if James Dolan parachuted in and anointed Jab- Jacob Truba on high unilaterally and then walked out and, you know, uh, went to some JD in the straight shot uh, rehearsals. Like, no, this was a decision made in part by the players saying this guy is the right kind of leader, the right kind of person that we want with the captain- with to be captain for our team. One, I... I- don't understand the fixation with naming a captain, but okay, now they've named one. And Truba was always on the short list. He was always one of these guys that the team respects, that does the right things and all that. And I mean, frankly, I think his contract is fine for what he's provided for the team. It's just that sometimes he has big swings and misses uh, as a player. And I feel like that that, kind of overshadows the smaller good things that he does he's a consistent player for the rangers uh, and i'm not sure what it is about his style of play that makes him so polarizing perhaps because he's just more old school and a heavy hitter and doesn't put up as many points as say adam fox but I, to me I, I i'm a fan of jacob truba and i i'm not totally so I, I'm confused by the fan reaction, at least from some, some segment of the fan base, to him being named captain and also to just, in general, his play. I, I just think it's completely hysterical. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times we've said it on the podcast at this point, but it's worth saying it one more time every time Chuba's name comes up. Because if Chris Kreider wanted to be captain, he would be. I, I, I can't say that more plainly than that. If, if Kreider wanted to see... Everybody in that locker room would have been like, yeah, no, Chris Kreider, he's our guy. He's our captain. He's he's also that kind of voice like Truba is. And it's, to me, very clear that Kreider prefers to lead his way and would rather have the C on somebody else. And that somebody else is Jacob Truba. And I, his I, teammates I don't know, how else know this. It. Yeah, like his teammates understand that this is – they're not going to make Kreider captain against his wishes. And, like – is it because Kreider was drafted by the Rangers that maybe this is why Trouba doesn't get the love and he was a free agent acquisition? To me, it's like people, re- I understand Kreider had an incredible year last year, but 
he's been an up and down player and streaky for a lot of his time in New York. Um, and so I feel like a lot of the criticism that could that is being leveled at Truba has been in the past leveled at Chris Kreider. People just forget because he had this amazing season scoring wise. I will I will say, um, and this goes for every sport. I do think fans will always value and cherish their hometown guy versus the almost hired mercenary to a certain extent. Like I you, you think of any other sport, right? Do uh it was Patrick Ewing the greatest Nick of all time, or is it just because he's the guy the Knicks drafted and anointed? Like it, it's 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 one of those questions. That, well, with the Knicks, it, I mean, there's not a lot of good players to talk about. I was I was just trying to. That's it. I was well, Ryan. I, I was doing my best not to make another Met comparison. <laughs> and that's where my head went. Okay, but how about like in terms of the way that some fans talk about Carmelo Anthony? who, again, I mean, I'll defend Carmelo Anthony till till the end in terms of what he provided for the team, but they, they, they're not, they don't have the same affinity for Carmelo Anthony as Patrick Ewing, and part of that, too, is Ewing that, that, in that time period, the Knicks were a lot better. Still no championship, but were a lot better. Um, so I, I think that's some of it, too, right, if you want to draw a comparison with them. Fair. Would the Knicks, would the Knicks have won the championship if O.J.? didn't go off the deep end that's a great question i'm happy you brought that up emma many people are saying people are asking um, many people right uh, sport, sports uh twitter is a buzz now as your I, lawyer I, you don't need to answer that okay yeah i'm uh <laughs> moving on you plead the fifth uh, uh final range of question for me on my end is there a team this year in the metro that you're a little bit higher on or a little bit lower on like for example I think the Carolina Hurricanes are a worse team this year than they were last year. Last year, despite getting Paul Stasny, I know Pratchett is going to be out for six months. They lost Trocheck, obviously, who's now on our team, but I just don't think they can continue the magic. And I'm not sure they're the same kind of quote unquote just engine. I know they're a regular season engine. I totally understand that. They know how to win games and they have a great culture over there. But I'm a little bit lower on them this year, and I I don't think they win the division outright. Is there is there a team that you're kind of scared of, or you think we're underrating, or is it just the Hurricanes are going to run run away with it again? I don't think the Hurricanes are going to run away with it. I think if I was to bet today, uh, I would bet that the Rangers win the division. Yeah. But I mean, I think the Hurricanes are coming in second. Um, I think it'll be one of those two, and the Penguins you can't count them out. But like I am. <laughs> I just started laughing thinking about the Islanders offseason. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll laugh. Because uh, I was just going through my, you know, the 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 division in my mind. But um, I, I, I think the Devils would be a lot more uh, deadly, even if they're not going to make the, the playoffs, if uh, Lindy Ruff wasn't their coach. I mean, I would guess he's fired halfway through the year anyway, because, like, they've already hired the guy that they clearly want to replace him with. But – not scared of the Flyers, um, not scared of the Devils, not I, maybe the Columbus Blue Jackets could could uh, are, are they're going to be interesting this year? But I still think the top two in the division is going to be the Rangers and the Hurricanes, and it's just a matter of who finishes on top. I'm not going to lie; I've never been more excited to see a Flyer game in my life. I just think it's going to be a colossal fuck up to the highest order. And I'm so ready for it. Oh, it's going to be really fun to have him back. I will be going to both uh, home Flyer Ranger games for sure. Uh, I'm right here. I'm like 10 minutes away from the stadium. And last year was just a home Ranger game. I can only imagine that this year is going to be even more of a disaster for them. 
gonna, I mean, my guess is the tickets are not going to be that expensive. So see if you can get um, a seat behind the bench. So you can hear the expletives coming out of Tortorella's mouth. It's that might have to be a, a, a business expense on that one. hundred dollars. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, Greg, any other Ranger questions for him before we moved on to the NFL footballs? I guess. Hmm. I, I, uh, no. Cool. I yeah. Cool. Sorry. Are you drafting a quarterback in the first round next year as a Giants fan? Yes, I'm sure we are. Um, like, uh, look, I I don't think Daniel Jones is as bad as everyone thinks he is. I think he's better than say Tua. Um, I think. Whoa, he's better I, is that a hot take? I, I I think that's a hot take. I think that's, that's a hot, hot one, guys. Tua yeah. Tua's really a bad court, quarterback. He can't throw into tight windows. His arm is probably the weakest of any starting quarterback in the NFL, and that includes like. Geno Smith and Mitch Trubisky. Tua is a bad player. Uh, I feel I, very strongly about that. I and do, he might I have maybe, success this year because of McDaniel, but and and because of the amazing talent on that team. Their roster is incredible. I just I, I don't believe in Tua at all. Tua maybe at all. maybe I am just by I'm fed biased information because I know two Dolphin fans in my life, and they will never give up on Tua. But Isn't it I, funny whereas, to say, like, I know two Dolphin fans, and it's a shocking revelation? <laughs> yeah, one of them's a Dolphin Magic White Sox fan. He's an idiot. Uh, anyway, but it's like, the difference is Dolphin fans haven't given up on Tua, whereas every Giant fan has seemingly agreed that Daniel Jones is not a starting NFL quarterback. And I, yeah. I just, they're very competing narratives, where you might be right that Tua is a bad starting quarterback, but at least people believe in him, whereas Giant fans believe Daniel Jones will be just bad enough for them to get C.J. Stroud. <laughs> I, I'm really into the the, the Kentucky quarterback, uh, Will, Will Le- Levis. Levis. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested mostly because we've done this dance with Kentucky quarterbacks before. I don't know if you remember Tim Couch, but I sure do. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I get that. Um, but I believe that Phil Sims, he didn't play at Kentucky, but he's from Kentucky. Um, so, like – you know, the Giants seem to only want to draft quarterbacks that have some sort of connection or uh, look-alike status to their previous quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones talks exactly like Eli and looks like him and was coached by, um, by uh, now I'm totally blanking on his name, but the quarterback guru who's now ancient uh, coming out of Duke. But but speaking of Duke, right, I think that's part of the, the discrepancy there. All of these guys, like C.J. Stroud too, if you're com- if you're coming from a big powerhouse school, you have the hype train behind you and you have fan bases artificially bolstering you um, in, in terms of like hyping you up in the NFL. That's what's happening with Tua. It's just because of the Alabama gang and people saw him win on a national stage, but it, people don't really know what they're looking at. Honestly, like Mac Jones is better, was better than Tua. Uh, and he was the quarterback the year after him. And you could just see the difference in Alabama games. Uh, Tua was a massive mistake. And I think, the, every Dolphins fan would acknowledge that, say, Justin Herbert was the right pick there, which I will say I said at the time. I thought Herbert might even be better than Burrow, but TBD. Um, but, yeah, the Giants look. I mean, at least they have some competent play design on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I think they're bottom three or bottom third of the NFL roster, and that includes the quarterback position who's also in the bottom third of the NFL, even though I don't think he's, you know, dog shit. But – uh, they're 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 probably taking a quarterback in in the first round of the draft next year. I'd put the odds at like 
minus 200 on that. What's well, what? What's the thing you have to look forward to like this year? The building, the new coaching staff? What? It, if you're a Giants fan and you're watching this season, you're probably going to win, what, four or five games? Right? I think that's fair. I don't know. I mean, I actually really do think the coaching staff is pretty a significant upgrade and the Giants won four games last year with Daniel Jones not playing for the back half the whole year plus the Giants will now have two or I think Andrew Thomas is watching him is going to be the silver lining for me this season the left tackle Uh, I, I think Giants fans know this and people who watch film or watch the Giants games closely um who I read know this but Andrew Thomas is definitely a top 10 left tackle in the NFL and it just hasn't he hasn't gotten the recognition because the team and the line outside of him has been so shitty uh but Evan Neal uh, at at the right tackle position like I'm excited to see two tackles on the Giants with competence and um I I haven't been so confident in the Giants first round pick since the Giants have selected Evan Neal so I think the improved offensive line um is going to be the the bright spot but and also just the way that the 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 the, the creativity from the offensive side of the ball. Um, so watching that kind of stuff will be nice. I don't know if it'll result in a lot of wins, but you can at least see like the skeleton of hopefully what the team will become two, three years down the line. Well, I'll also say this. I think none of us are really expecting the Giants to do much. I think people are expecting way too much out of Washington. And I think there's a chance... Washington finishes last in that division. I, I've seen enough of Carson Wentz. Like the jury's decided. Yeah, it's it's not gonna work. And well, we're just gonna. We, oh, sorry, Greg. I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. It, it's just I like Ron Rivera on a human level, but I've also seen him fail enough to know that a Ron Rivera Carson Wentz combination it could be horrific. It could be spectacularly bad. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, um, I think Washington's going to be awful. I also think there should be some concern, even though Chase Young had that great rookie year, he was not very good last year, and he seems to still be struggling in camp. And well, if he's, you don't, he's, he's injured for at least the, he's missing a month. He's on yeah, the, right. He's on the pup list. So, and I think also just in terms of reports from camp, it's been not that great, um, which is concerning. And the, uh, the organization is rotten from the top to the bottom. So I feel like betting against them is pretty good. I'm also, I think you bet against the Cowboys this year. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on CeeDee Lamb to make that offense run. And I think Zeke takes a step back. And I think that defense, like they were just not completely awful. Like they were the previous year, last year. Um, and so I think they started to get overrated, especially because they have that amazing player, Micah Parsons, out of Penn State, who was a rookie and just uh, was Micah, all wait, over the place. But, the, like, they're the bad. Fantasy, they're going to be bad. The yeah. Fantasy League Ryan left. We do individual defensive players. I used the second-round pick on Micah Parsons. I'm <laughs> I'm well aware. And now this, this new website we've gone to lists him as a defensive lineman instead of a linebacker, and it's a literal cheat code. I could oh, yeah. I could not be fucking happier <laughs> for having IDPs. It's amazing. IDPs is the worst oh. thing in fantasy history. It's one of the reasons I left. Uh, is there any? Uh, do you have any any NFL hot takes for the year uh, that you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? 
<clears throat> sure. Uh, you guys are just like totally giving me a platform for my hot take, so I appreciate it. I figured it. like you do um, a lot of talking about other things. This is probably the place to talk sports. Yes. And and I'll say, okay, it's not a hot take because we just, what, the Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the Niners news just broke, but I am really low on Trey Lance. I think this is, and Greg, I know you're kind of a, a lapsed 49er fan, but. Well, we've, we fought about Trey before. So th- yeah. this, this oh, fight have continues. We? Oh, yeah. What oh, did yeah. I say? I said I I did not. No, like you you you're just you like Zach a lot Zach Wilson a lot more than Trey Lance, and I was flipped. Yeah, completely. Yeah, um, I mean TBD on Zach Wilson, but I, I I don't understand what the Niners were thinking in trading all that draft capital for a guy that has not played a lot of college ball, hasn't played now in the NFL, and it, it's his. The thing that stands out to me, and I think not a lot of people talk enough about this, is that the football that he throws, his receivers, there's really no touch on it at all, and it's not a catchable ball. Um, it's it's like bricks, and especially in the intermediate and short pass game. Like, he he, he has a strong arm, that's, that's for sure, but there are a lot of guys you can draft that have strong arms. Um, and I just don't necessarily think his release is very consistent. And the spirals are few and far between with this guy. And it's like, this is not a player that you take or trade up for with multiple first round picks to get, especially when your team is in the Super Bowl window. So I'm pretty low on Trey Lance. And um, I guess my other hot take is I could definitely see the Chargers uh, maybe in the AFC championship. I think Justin Herbert has a Josh Allen type year this year. Everyone's in on I, Herbert. Everybody. I'll, I'll say. I'll say this: the part we agree about when it comes to the 49ers is, um, you for them to give up. You, they're like you said in their Super Bowl window, and for them to give up that many assets for a piece that straight up didn't help them last year, that alone is kind of bad football management. Like, unless you think Lance is a day one starter, it's a bad trade. Yeah, because you're not doing anything to supplement this team. That I, look, they won a playoff game last year. They're a very good football team, and that's with a quarterback that they don't trust very clearly. Um, so on on that face value, you did wrong in the draft day mechanisms. I still believe in Trey Lance, and I'd say my hot take is um, the whole reason the Jets need a Zach Wilson is kind of similar vein to the giants, the quarterbacks are going to be too good in next year's draft for you to have a major question mark at quarterback. If you're going to have a top five to 10 pick. And if Zach Wilson misses significant time and it's Joe Flacco and they're losing every game, you need Zach Wilson answers. Otherwise you need to be invested in these young quarterbacks because two of them have a chance to be special. And we're getting to a point where I'm not saying we need to know what the finished product of Zach Wilson is, but we still have day one questions with Zach Wilson, and that's that's unacceptable at this point in time. So he need he needs to be healthy because you need answers before you get to April. Yeah, the, the thing about him that maybe in like when he was coming out in the draft, even though I was pretty bullish on him, he does look smaller on an NFL field. I still believe in his arm talent, but do I believe? Would I trust? Uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers to develop a quarterback uh, more than I would the Jets organization with a defensive head coach? The answer is a hundred times over. Yes. Um, I just, I, 
Wilson could be a, a victim of his own circumstances, but but yeah, it's it hasn't been like when Herbert came out immediately you knew and Burrow, you know, immediately you know, oh, oh these guys are the real deal. So it hasn't been that with Zach Wilson. For, yeah, but Trevor Lawrence looks like he could have a bounce back year this year. Um, How could he actually, not? Did you see the rest of what was coaching him last year? <laughs> disaster. Oh, I, my God. Unreal. Yeah, but uh, but he looks pretty good. So I'm, I'm rooting for Trevor Lawrence, actually. Loves football, that guy. Emma, uh, any other thing you want to cover since this is your sports platform before you go? <laughs> uh, no, um, but I always appreciate you guys having me on. And, um, yeah, let's hope the, the Rangers have uh, – I think they're going to have a good year. That's uh, that, I'm putting that energy out into the universe. I, I do agree with you. I, I believe they win the Metro. So yeah. Here's 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 the here's the perfect ending question for you. What would you consider a disappointing year from the Rangers? Yes. Is winning one playoff round enough, or do you need the Rangers back in the conference finals next year? I, I think that being they should be back in the conference finals next year, uh, and I, I think I would be disappointed otherwise, um, based on just in terms if Igor Shosturkin is still playing at the level or a similar level, I don't know how much he can replicate it that he was uh, last year. If, if that's not the case, if there are some injuries, then you reassess. But I do think that it's completely fair to, uh, to, to expect that they're back in the same position that they were last year. The East is hell. That's all I'll say. It's hell. Yeah. We'll get there. Emma, thank you so much for coming on. You can find Emma on YouTube every single day. At one, not every day. Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock on YouTube? Yes. Majority of Yeah. Tw- uh, 12. But 12. Uh, close So sorry. So sorry. No, that's fine. When's nonsense hours start? Is that 2? Uh, yeah. No, the, the fun half or when essentially uh, we make fun of people as opposed to having like the more uh, intellectual conversations interviews yes yeah. uh is at one but the first hour of the show it starts at 12 so we're basically live every day from 12 to 2 30 uh youtube twitch all those things uh it's a fun show you guys should check it out all the fun emma thank you so much for coming on we'll talk to you soon appreciate it thanks hey it's the end of the show uh, you can follow me on twitter at orion me you can follow greg at blue shirts break i will be in austin the next three days. See some of you down there, maybe. Probably not. I'll be working, doing stuff. So, fun times there. But without further ado, I'd like to thank the NHL Insiders Club for always supporting this podcast. And uh, had two pretty big scoops, like last week. But other than that, it's been dead. It's been dead out there. But camp is soon. We're, we're ramping up. So, without further ado, let me... I, am I further doing? Right? 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 I don't re-record these. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartula, Adam Keach, Adam, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lackos, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stelwagen, Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Dezen, Daniel Nair, uh, David. I almost, oh, I almost did it. David Nairn and David Siegel. Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stack, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a Cup, Gary Gretzman, Fly, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, J- Jamie Filippone, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, JJ Frank, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shades, Johnny Thundercox, Jordan, Josh Kessimov, Justin Freeman, Christian Florida, Christoph Berg, Lara Leishik, Gronowski. I'm really messing up the first name again. Lou Giordano, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Neil Grover, Nicholas Dinacola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodrev, Pro World Sex Gamer, Randy Tester, Steeplebox, Swinegard, Tom of Wells, Tommy Sinclair, all the Toms, Thomas Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tari from Manhattan, Upstate Vin, Vinny Brocco, Vinny Hay, Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Thank you so much, everybody, for supporting. Could not do this show without you. We are a couple weeks away from hockey. I do want to 
for just a second tell a, a stupid story. It's 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 a it's really like a dumb story. So just stick with me. Story goes is uh, it's 2019. I'm sitting. Uh, I'm before the season. I usually like to decompress because when the season's here, I work two jobs. I do a day job. Then I also cover the Rangers like an idiot because uh, I love it and for other reasons. But I was hiking up in a mountain town. And this mountain town had a small restaurant with like a tube TV, not a flat screen, like a tube TV in the corner of this restaurant. And I came in, it was like late on a Tuesday night and no one else was there uh, except like the guy working there. And I'm pretty sure he was a little bit high. Just not making assumptions, but he, we, we locked eyes and I knew where he was. He was just eating fries and he was watching Food Network like a bad reality TV show. And I turned to him and I said, hey, uh, I hope this isn't too much to ask, but could you could you turn on the Rangers devils preseason game for me? And he goes, who the fuck watches preseason hockey? And I just, I was like, you know, that's a really good point. But like, I just like, I want to watch the game. And he kind of not looked at me. Like I had seven heads, rightfully. So I, like, how many people do you get asked to change the television to preseason hockey? And, uh, I put it on and I, I ate a burger and enjoy the shit out of that game. But it was pretty, cause I wanted to see what was going on at the time. Capacaco and all that. Fun times. Uh, I miss those days. Tube TVs and little bars and little mountain towns. But uh, preseason hockey's coming. That's my whole point. I won't be watching on tube TVs. We'll be watching on my computer. And uh, excited to get get going. So, without further ado, the end of the show, right? Here we are. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. Bye.